0: to another great episode of Dream Business Radio. I'm your host, Tim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and this is the podcast to learn how to create your dream business so you, too, can live your dream lifestyle. And, by the way, I, every week I say you, too, Because you're learning from somebody who has done what they teach. I've created multiple six-figure businesses. I now get to live my dream lifestyle aboard my uh, my yacht called The Floating Home with my wife, Stephanie, and our rescue dog, Blue. So buckle up for some truth, some fun, some good conversation about what it takes to build a dream business and live your dream lifestyle. Today's episode is brought to you by a brand-new Facebook group that I just put together. It's called Build Your Dream Business Now. It's a free group, and I've got a URL. You can find me on Facebook, but the URL is dreambizgroup.com, dreambizgroup.com. That will redirect to this Facebook group. We started about 10 days ago. We just cracked 100 members, so this is a really fun community. I'm doing a lot of training, answering questions, and just connecting a lot of people who want to uh, take their business to the next level, so that is DreamBizGroup.com. This week, i got a really, really special guest. We're not going to talk a lot about marketing. We're just going to have a great conversation, very interesting. Gentlemen, let me introduce him to you now. John McGarvey is my guest, and I'm going to read his bio because uh, I'm not going to change it up like I sometimes do. It's just very well written. With a series of high-profile jobs in the financial services and consumer product industries, John believes mental clarity is one of the keys to success. John's first experienced free and easy wanderer, a classical traditional Chinese medicine formula, when he lived in Tibet working in microfinance lending for the Tibet Poverty Alleviation Fund. Free and Easy Wanderer changed John's life by calming his mind and relieving daily stresses. I know you're going to want to hear more about that. After returning to the United States, John transitioned to the natural food industry, leading a frozen food platform on a a mainstream grocery club and natural food freezer shelves nationwide. John searched for Free and Easy Wanderer to help with the daily stresses of running a business, and entrepreneurs know a lot about stress, but only... But only found imported Chinese herbs that required extensive effort to boil into. Uh, boy, here's a word. John, help me with this word here. Decoctions?
1: Decoctions, I think, is the word they use there.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Combining Let's call his them professional.
0: Formulas, yeah, yeah, I should have just called them menus. <laughs> uh, combining his professional background in consumer products with his personal experiences in Asia. In Asia, with traditional Chinese medicine, John co-founded Dow Labs to help people experience the power of TCM in a natural, easy-to-use format. John made it his mission to redesigned proven age-old TCM for people searching for natural wellness solutions. He's also earned his MBA from the Kellogg School of Management, so he didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday, and he holds a BA from Northwestern University. John, my gosh, as you and I said in the green room, how in the world am I going to conduct this this interview Uh. here? You've got so much going on.
1: Uh, hopefully people are still listening after uh the mention of frozen <laughs> foods and uh <laughs> Chinese herbs that you have to boil. But uh you know, it's uh it's great to be here, Jim, and uh, uh hopefully uh, you know, after uh, uh I get through changing the world with Chinese uh, herbs I could take a page out of your book and uh be sailing and uh living living the dream.
0: Well, you're going to have to move out of Minnesota, otherwise you're going to be freezing in the wintertime. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. So I want to ask you about your travels, and because that, when you started traveling, that's I, I get from your bio that really changed your life. But first, I want to ask you um, about the entrepreneurial gene. Did are you the first one in your family? Did your father or mother or grandparents? Who, where did the Where did the entrepreneurial gene come
1: from? I, that's a, I've actually never been asked that question. Uh, I'm the first in my family to be uh, to be an entrepreneur, um, and it didn't happen um, you know, uh, right away, as, as you mentioned in the intro there. I, I started life on Wall Street uh, and had a very conventional investment banking job, um, and it was kind of through that experience that I had a couple of mentors along the way, particularly when I was living in New York City who said, listen, there, there's a million of you financial wonks in this town. If, if you really want to get good at running a business, go run a business. Um, it's one thing to do s- spreadsheets and, and modeling until two in the morning in a, in a cubicle on Park Avenue, which which I did. Uh, but it's another thing to you know be pacing the floors at two in the morning, uh, you know, try to figure out how to make cash flow and how to how to kind of keep the wheels moving. And arguably the former is easier than the latter, but the the latter is a, a, a lot more fun. And so I uh, ultimately transitioned to uh, to the, the world of frozen food, and I I found a, a small natural food company. Um, based in Florida, that uh, that needed a bit of energy and a bit of uh, uh, chutzpah, if I could, to, to kind of turn the turn the thing around. And um, I think it was through that, Jim, that ultimately, while I had thought I was going to go the the financial track and, and and return to New York and try to set the world on fire with with private equity and and, and live that life, um, the joy and the the fun of of actually running something and and being able to hold it in your hands and say this is this is something that we created and a lot of things went into to, to getting it to the shelf, and a lot of people contributed to it. That's, that's fun, and that, that type of a win uh, far exceeds that of a, of a financial transaction, although, again, uh, finance could be a bit more lucrative. But ultimately, that's what set forth my, my track in the world of, uh, uh, of becoming an entrepreneur, and um, I'm, I'm still at it now about uh, 12 years later.
0: Well, when you, um, tra- when you went to uh, Tibet, how did that come about?
1: fair enough and 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 absolutely um, that was between the time that i left uh financial services in in new york city um, and um, and ultimately found a uh, uh uh you know the opportunity in in the natural food world i began studying chinese uh when i was young and i'm uh, this will kind of answer a couple of different questions of yours that we can kind of dive into um, but i went to china for the first time in 1994 and i'm originally from uh, the great state of iowa um, and, uh, I was kind of unique at that time that, uh, our public high school offered Chinese as a language, uh, offering. And I continued to study Chinese throughout high school and, and college as well, but I, I never studied abroad. And so in the mix of trying to figure out what to do with my life and positioning, or pardon me, transitioning from, uh, from financial services, uh, I had an older brother actually who, uh, had spent most of his professional career at that time in Asia. And uh, he was working for the uh, the nonprofit uh, NGO uh, called the Tibet Poverty Alleviation Fund. And he called me one day and said, hey, listen, we're looking for somebody to help create this microfinance lending program. Is it is it something you'd be interested in? And, uh, you know, life is short. Uh, I was 27 at the time, and I thought, well, what the hell? Um, and I did it. I had never studied abroad. Uh, I had been to Asia several times, uh, never lived there. And I kind of just loved that part of the world. And, uh, you know, it was one of the kind of toughest decisions but the easiest decisions I ever made with my life and uh, tendered my resignation and literally a week later I was on the plane to uh, Nepal and then eventually to uh, to Tibet and uh, I stayed there for about a year and a half um, again no kids no wife no mortgage that kind of stuff and that was kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity and uh, you know it's one of those things that will uh, change your life and ultimately continue to sprinkle uh, motivation if you will into uh, how I came to run a, a, a Chinese medicine company.
0: Well, when you so when you moved there, uh, and I might have missed it, because when you moved there, were you working for somebody, or was it the, the – you said your older brother was in microfinancing. Was that the draw that brought you there?
1: That was the draw. They had a job opening – um, and he just said, is this something you'd be interested in? And it wasn't much of an application process just because, um,
0: I, I, he's your brother, right?
1: a, <laughs> he's my brother and and he was working for somebody who I, I kind of already knew. And, um, and the rest is history. So I went over there with a job. It wasn't sort of a freewheeling, uh, just kind of an excursion. It was very much for a purpose. And, um, uh, you know, I, I clocked in every day and, and we worked very hard, but it was very, very much for, uh, you know, uh, to, to pursue something that was once in a lifetime, but at the same time, you know, for a job and, and for uh, um, a set of responsibilities that was uh, associated with it.
0: So you're over there uh, for microfinance, which, you know, it's kind of like Kiva and things like that, right? Is that is that fair?
1: Absolutely. It's very small. It's very much about the process and what it stands for as opposed to necessarily making any sort of a money. That That's not the purpose. It, it's to provide small loans and a, a set of Tools and and skills by which uh, the person receiving a loan uh, can go through the process of of funding their business, but also understand how to repay it, the responsibilities associated with being in debt and whatnot. So it, it's it's very small, one hundred, five hundred dollar loans, things of that nature.
0: And when you so you're over there, is that when you, just because you were immersed in the in the um, culture, is that when you discovered the you know Chinese medicine?
1: Absolutely, it was both that and, and prior trips. Uh, I remember, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, in 2006, 2007-ish, I can't remember the exact year, uh, where I was in Lhasa, Tibet, and, uh, we went out for Peking Duck to, uh, celebrate, the, the, the Thanksgiving back home in America, and I got a horrible case of, uh, Giardia in, and we won't go into that in this program, what that means, but it ain't fun. And I was treated very successfully with herbs. I mean, that's a nasty bacteria. And um, uh, consequently, I I had to go to a Chinese medicine doctor then, and uh, they treated me with a a combination of, uh, I can't remember the number of herbs, but it was a lot. Um, It tasted terrible. Um, It was tough to get down, but it Nip the uh, Giardia in the bud within about uh, 72 hours or so, um, and that was my first sort of real world. Like I thought, you know, I wasn't dying, but I felt like I was dying, uh, and that was the first time I I was like, wow, there there is something here. And then the pivot, and, and I might be getting ahead of the conversation a little bit, but the pivot into the natural food world, you know, it was almost fortuitous because while I wasn't doing anything in the world of, of Chinese medicine then, it was, you know, certainly an entree into you know where products like these ultimately would would be sold
0: that's so cool so how long did you ultimately stay in tibet
1: i was there for just over a year and a half um and you know outside of being a parent and marrying my wife it it was the most fun i've ever had in life
0: wow and so when you came back to the states what what led you what brought you back to the states
1: Ultimately, that was a, a fixed uh, assignment that I was on, and uh, I knew I wasn't going to be a lifer, so to speak, uh, uh, in the, the Tibetan Plateau. And so when I came back, uh, I, I was jumping into an opportunity, and um, it was with this natural food company that uh, I became familiar with during a, a, a quick trip back home from Tibet that uh, they needed uh, they needed a new manager, and uh, ultimately uh, discussions ensued and. Uh, Quickly, I found myself running a, a small natural food company in the, the middle of nowhere, um, and so the pivot from New York to, to Lhasa to Tibet, Tibet to uh, to Florida was uh, pretty extreme, and I was a younger guy then, Jim.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Um, yeah, I, pulling an all-nighter for me anymore, that's like staying up until 11 o'clock. Oh. <laughs> Things change as you get older, right?
1: <laughs> totally. <laughs> so you
0: so when you you actually got into marketing and and, and you know I mean, you were involved in marketing and consumer products and things like that, is that is that part of what, um, what your MBA did you have any marketing courses or was it mostly management
1: Well, actually, it was very much marketing focused, um, and that was why I went to business school. Um, I had the the solid financial foundation, but i was kind of soft and light when it came to uh, traditional marketing. I didn't didn't come up through the world of, of Kraft or, or Procter and Gamble or you know Nestle or somebody like that. And so, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to to get into Kellogg, and it's a pretty good marketing school. And so that was very much a, a focus and a, a motivation for me to 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 go that route. And so, um, spent uh, actually did the part time MBA program. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I live in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um and uh, I was flying back and forth to Chicago every weekend um, for about three years to get my to get my MBA. but I did that concurrent Jeez. with running the uh, it was a lot of miles <laughs> me and Delta airlines uh, certainly loved me, but uh, and i I love them. but uh, ultimately uh, that was uh, that was the reason I went back to business school. What's
0: involved with making you know, um Eastern products approachable in in the Western culture because there's some things obviously that um, you know people don't like things that don't taste good they don't think they don't like things or they're skeptical about things they don't know about uh, I mean this is a little off track but um, you know Jessica my daughter who who you also know she got um, my wife into acupuncture and um, yeah. And I, and I had a bad back and she was trying to get me and I think I went once, and I didn't do anything and then ultimately my back was so bad that I went and I literally, acupuncture is what took away my pain. I mean, it was unbelievable.
1: It's and
0: always- um, it, it's, it's Stephanie, I came home one after one treatment and I looked it up and said, oh my God, acupuncture's been around for like 3,000 years or something. She's like, no King, that's what we've been telling you. So I think my point in telling you a little silly story was people, they're, you're, you're raised a certain way and, yeah. you know, certain things in other cultures which have been around and they're totally acceptable, um, it's a really tough nut to crack sometimes.
1: It, it is a tough nut to crack. It. And what's interesting is your example is um, one we hear all the time. Um, Chinese medicine, from a consumer standpoint, really isn't here in the U.S. And, and that was the, opera- uh, pardon me, the opportunity and the motivation behind getting Dow labs off the ground Um, but everybody knows what acupuncture is you know everyone's got a friend that went to an acupuncturist for a a back problem or a joint problem or or maybe it was fertility related Um, there's a lot of different reasons that that people go and it's it's not as voodoo or as taboo as it once was you know Tom Brady last year played the Super Bowl looking like he was 27 years old Um, and if you Google Tom Brady in Chinese medicine you'll find out that he's got a Chinese medicine doctor on his staff that he works very closely, wow. uh, and and this guy Alex Guerrero mentions that you know five years ago people thought he was a, a snake oil salesman, but then all of a sudden you've got you know Tom Brady who's pushing 40 then uh, playing like he's 27, 28, you know, and so there's there's something there, and ultimately the consumer in the U.S. is becoming much more aware of it to say nothing of the changing demographics you've got millennials right which is the biggest consumer uh, group that that's kind of emerging here outside of baby boomers which we're targeting as well Um, you you know both of those groups aren't by any means looking to kind of maintain the status quo of what's out there and that extends to Western medicine as well which isn't to say people want to give up Western medicine there's no way we can or there's no reason we should given it's so embedded in our our culture and and what we do from the insurance benefits that we have to to kind of what we're raised with. But people are really taking an open-minded look at, okay, are there other alternative ways that I can augment what I'm doing? So on the one hand, you've got millennials who are very, very open to herbal practices, and that probably extends from, you know, yoga and all types of meditation um, practices that they're already very familiar with to, you know, my parents' generation who – You know, they're not looking to retire once they hit 65. They're looking for the next stage and and career um, sort of in their their life journey here. And we found with our – and I'm kind of all over the map here a little bit, and I I apologize, but I get really excited about this. Um, We found that there's so many of our consumers that are of sort of the baby boom generation that is like, you know what, I've had stomach problems for years. I don't know why. I don't know under what circumstances I can get these to change, but I've heard about your Digestive Harmony product which has been around for 2,500 years, um, and I'm willing to try it. So to answer your question, how do you get them to do it, it's been a lot of, uh, you know, blood, sweat, toil, things of that nature, but it's really communicating to people that this practice that you're kind of familiar with already is is here, and, and you're right. This stuff doesn't taste good necessarily, and acupuncture isn't always the most enjoyable experience, but it's highly efficacious, and, and When we got into Dow Labs and created it, we knew we had to remove that stigma of the approachability, certainly of the flavor side. Chinese herbs will never, ever win any sort of an award for uh, taste or, or, uh, you know, being pleasurable on the palate. And so we thought, well, if we could kind of crack that nut a little bit and make these things taste good and and kind of maintain their, 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 uh, their benefits and their efficacious properties, well, then maybe we have something. So, you know. It has been a lot of work to try to obviously build a brand as, as it is for any company, but ultimately, from a reception standpoint, we're at the right place at the right time because this is what people are looking for.
0: So, uh, well, just a I actually have three questions I'm trying to see which one I'm going to come out with. So sure. let's go to the taste, just because of my own curiosity. So, yeah. yeah, you've said a number of times that this stuff doesn't taste good. But if you were to put something in it to make it taste good, does I guess that would diminish the result that you might get from the herbs right. and whatnot.
1: Not necessarily. It's both a function of taste and also convenience. Um, Chinese herbs, like to make them work the way they're originally supposed to, you would go see a Chinese medicine doctor and just Google it or or look up on YouTube, uh, Chinese herbs, and and you would get a brown paper bag that's full of all sorts of stuff. You don't necessarily know what it is, but there's a trust factor because you've tried everything else and your neighbor or your girlfriend has told you to go check this person out. So you get this bag of herbs, and they're going to tell you two things. Take it home and boil it. And then they're going to say add a tremendous amount of honey to it, and that's okay. And ultimately, even adding honey is makes it a little bit better, but it's still tough to get down the palate. What we did at Dow Labs is all right, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. So we got the best food scientists, part of me, the best food uh, technologists and flavorists involved. Um, we got the best doctor of Chinese medicine uh, that's out there. Uh, My co-founder, my colleague, Dr. Eric Karchmer, is is, is awesome when it comes to the world of Chinese medicine. Um, And we kind of all got together in a room and said, if we're going to make this stuff work while maintaining the authenticity and the functionality of it, you know, what can we do? And it was a tremendous amount of work. It was very tedious when it comes to flavoring, um, particularly trying to get something that was all natural, um, not altering the, the functionality of the herbs themselves. Uh, it's a lot of back and forth with sampling and whatnot, and try to kind of dial it in. But ultimately, we we came to a, 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 a you know a, a beta product that we said this is this is pretty good. Um, we wanted to make sure that we weren't creating something that was just pure sugar, so it wouldn't just taste like you know Gatorade or something of that nature, of which I, I do drink a lot of. Uh, but ultimately, you know. Let the consumer know, and the person taking it. All right, this is this tastes pretty good, but I can also tell there's something healthy in it. So it was a combination of just making sure we had the right crew involved, and just being very patient and uh, being very focused on what we were trying to do.
0: Tell me about Dow Labs. So you just mentioned your your partner there. Is he the who's the like? Are you the business and marketing, and is he the brainchild mm-hmm. of the formulas, or or you have experience there too? What's that? What's the, your partnership look like?
1: Absolutely. It, it's uh, there's a handful of uh, of founders that are kind of at the table, but there's three primary business founders that uh, are involved. Uh, it's myself, and I bring the sort of business and the marketing aspects to the table. Um, it's my colleague, Dr. Eric Karchmer, who uh, went to China uh, very early in the 80s. That was in the Deng Xiaoping ages when it was tough to get in there, and there were no Westerners in there. Uh, and Then he ultimately stayed and, and studied Chinese medicine for eight years uh, in China, in Chinese, and so it. Uh, Pretty good combination there of uh, his his background and, and being a Westerner, so he kind of knows the consumer a little bit more. And then it's uh, my colleague, uh, Travis Metzger, who is an award-winning chef. Um, and so much of what we do as a company, you know, I've already talked about the flavor uh, aspects of uh, trying to make the herbs uh, taste good while, while still being functional. Um, within Chinese medicine, there's a huge, huge focus on food as medicine. And so if you go to our blog, which uh, you can read on our website, mydowlabs.com, that's MyDAOLABS.com. com. There's all sorts of recipes there, uh, and they're good recipes. It's not just Chinese food, but by any means, it's taking Western ingredients and trying to align them with uh, a functional standpoint—be it for stronger digestion, you know, a, a better month if you're a, a, a woman, uh, things of that nature. And so we've really brought together three people who um, represent the, the kind of core needs of the business, but uh, no one steps on each other's toes in the process.
0: Are you guys, I mean, are you in uh, brick-and-mortar, what do you, health food stores, or is it all order online, or how, how do you, how do you uh, sell your stuff?
1: That's a great question. It's all online right now, um, and that's purposeful from my experience. We'll go brick-and-mortar at some point, but as a startup, I want to make sure this stuff worked. We want to make sure that the consumer uh, was receptive to it. Uh, we want to make sure the dog was eating the dog food, so to speak, although that's not what we're selling, um, and, you know... We wanted to make sure we had all the kinks from a supply chain standpoint, you know, really worked out. Getting on the shelf at Whole Foods or traditional retail, it's challenging, but it's a very straightforward process. But once you're there, you know, if you have a mistake or if there's an issue or your margin isn't right, if, if anything kind of goes wrong, it's an unforgiving channel as a startup. You know, having a packaging snafu or having something that just isn't right within the, uh, the recipe – you can't go and say, hey, can we have everything back? Uh, we'd like to redo it. But you could never afford that, and you've lost your credibility with, with, with your customer, who's, in this case, the grocery store. So we are starting out purposely just online um, with select opportunities at, at brick and mortar here over the next 12 months.
0: Very cool. So, um, I mean, is, do you guys have a goal? I mean, obviously, yeah, we want to be huge, but, what, what do you what do you, what's your uh, trajectory look like you know one to three years or five years or, or you don't have to, you don't have to share that but just curious what, what how fast you guys want to grow
1: we want to grow into a really great company and I get that question quite a bit when I talk to either investors or I talk to just people that are are curious and and we don't right now have a we have a goal that's within our organization. You know, we have budgets and we have forecasts and whatnot. But at the end of the day, we're trying to build a really great brand and a great company and do that over time with a focus on value. Uh, and that's making sure everybody along the supply chain and the sales chain is winning. And I think that's a recipe for long-term sustainable value creation um, for all shareholders. Um, and it leads to, I think, ultimately better decision-making in the short and long-term as well.
0: Well, I noticed in the, um, and we're just about out of time, but I did notice in the interview when I started asking about your, uh, your international travel, I think your voice went up a little octave and you started speeding up. That's clearly where, I mean, that was a huge turning point in your life. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. You know, like I said, we got one shot at this. Uh, every now and then you got to take some leaps. Um, And, uh, you know, that was a personal leap at the time, and now with Dow Labs, it's a professional leap. Um, And as I mentioned to you in the green room uh, uh, ahead of the the discussion, um, you know, we're so motivated by the why of what we're doing here this stuff works. You know, it's embedded in 2,500 years of, of, of history and of, of practice, and, and it's just something that can really make people's lives better. I, I gave you the anecdote on on digestion. Um, my mother, God bless her, uh, can't drink enough of our digestive product. Um, and it's seeing people say this stuff is, is, is changing my life. We've got a couple of formulas coming out in 2018. I won't tease them yet, but I'll let you know and I'll let Jessica know after the fact we have one formula coming out that is a game changer for me. It has bar none changed my life, and you can quote me on that. And I think better, I sleep better, I function better. And it's stuff like that that gets me really excited. It's the why of what we're doing here.
0: So just curious, because uh, I'm a big fan of Shark Tank, and I see these questions when people that have products similar to yours. So is this something that you have to get uh, government approval for? Is there uh, FDA approval, or what's that look like for you?
1: Absolutely. So we are a supplement uh, uh, company as it w- would be defined by the FDA and the FTC. Um, it's still the wild west of, of of sort of that industry when you get into supplements where you've got a lot of stuff out there. Uh, what I'll say is it relates to Dow Labs. Because of my experience in, in retail ahead of this, number one, we're taking a very conservative approach when it comes to what we say and what we claim to do. Um, There just isn't any room to kind of maneuver around that, and and it leads to longer-term problems um, as a a business, as a corporation, as just a a shareholder. Number two, um, we're taking that same methodology as it relates to our products and the testing. We test, 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 test. There was an incident a few years ago where the New York Attorney General went after all sorts of supplement companies for for essentially mislabeling, where they say, hey, this is not vitamin B. This is uh, asparagus powder or something of that nature. So because we're pulling stuff from China we are verifying from a DNA standpoint exactly what's in this stuff. So our suppliers tell us what it is, we go ahead and verify that. And then as it relates to testing, man, I can't tell you the number of tests that we put this stuff through from a from a safety standpoint. So you look at our website, we talk about authenticity, we talk about safety, all those things we're very proud of, and we, we want to be very transparent with that for uh, for our, our guests and our consumers.
0: Well, it's been a fun interview, John. Um, I'm sure people are like uh... – Boy, I was driving. I I should have got that website. uh, Where can they learn um, more about uh, Dow Labs?
1: Absolutely, Uh, it's on our website, and I'll spell it again. Uh, It's mydowlabs.com. That's m y d a o l a b s dot com.
0: Awesome, John. Thanks so much. It's been a really great interview. Really appreciate your time today.
1: Hey, Jim. Safe travels, and uh, thanks to uh, to you and your guests for uh, for listening.
0: My pleasure. Hey, folks, that wraps up this special episode of Dream Business Radio with John McGarvey. And I think you ought to go check out Dow Labs. Um, probably something there that you, that you can use if you're an entrepreneur and you're stressed out and you got digestive issues. Who doesn't? Then um, then go there. Sounds really interesting. I'm, I'm going to check it out uh, after after we disconnect here. But I want to thank. Um, uh, my team for helping me uh, put these shows out for six years now because uh, I do very little other than get on the phone and talk to people. They make it happen. They make me look good. And also thank you to uh, dream, Build Your Dream Business Now Facebook group, and uh, you want to join that at dreambizgroup.com, dreambizgroup.com. We're, as we're doing this, we're, we're over 100 members in just 10 days, so I'm really excited. We're going to be doing a lot of things. We're going to do something every Tuesday called Training Tuesday. I will, I will get live on um on that on that uh, Facebook group, and I'm going to teach something about either how to grow, how to market, or how to run a dream business. Anyway, until next week, another great episode of Dream Business Radio. I am Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care.